this is Joseph and Train, and welcome to a new episode of Home of Sound. Home of Sound is the virtual and global home for any music lover to connect, learn, and engage with the electronic music community. We started the platform with this very podcast series to discover and share insights into the life, work, and tools of producers, DJs, VJs, promoters, label owners, playlist curators, and other creators. Since the global pandemic hit, we launched a series of online masterclasses with creators such as Ansom, Scaramella, Francois X, Swarm Intelligence, Freddy K, Face Fatal, VJ Martinovna, Malika Maria, Lag, BSK, Romek, Manny D, Arjun Vagale, and many, many more. If you're interested in the masterclasses, you can access any of them, also in bundles, on demand at www.homeofsound.co.uk. To say hi, connect with us, suggest new guests, leave feedback, and see what else we're up to, you can find us on Instagram at home underscore of underscore sound. And for all the other links, visit linktr.ee slash home underscore of underscore sound. And now let's start with today's guest. Enjoy. Declan, very nice to meet you and glad to have you here on the show. Thank How are you for- feeling? <laughs> Pleasure. Yeah, How are you I'm feeling good. today? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Well, it's really nice in Dublin, so that helps. <laughs> yeah, it does help, yeah. It's a nice summer. Hopefully, it's going to stay like this. And so um, one of the things that I, I figured out when, when I dug into your story and, and your um, previous interviews is that you, you seem to be living between Dublin and New York. Can you tell us a bit more what is the setup, like how much time you spend in Dublin and also how much in New York? Um, yeah, well, before COVID, I was probably more like living between hotels and New York, really. Because uh, I was like traveling back to Europe for gigs. And then I had an apartment in New York. At the moment, I'm predominantly in Dublin um, as I'm, I'm considering a more permanent move to Europe at the minute. Um, I love New York. I love it dearly. but um, there just comes a certain point in time where traveling as much as I was just wasn't good for my head or my health. So I felt it was important to consider that. And I think obviously COVID grounded everybody in the world. Um, I was fortunate enough to have been in Ireland at the time. So I think that grounding gave me perspective to consider where I want to move to next. Um, so at the moment, I'm firmly put in Dublin and I'm just kind of waiting for things to calm down before I kind of make a decision. Yeah. It's it's interesting because like a lot of people uh, who have, um, have found in, in this situation in the last year, like a opportunity to make big life decisions or change city and do that step. And I think, uh, I guess it's your case as well where you're considering going back to Dublin and perhaps if you find it like a nice place to keep living on like you're just gonna move everything back and so you you are from dublin right you grew up there yeah i grew up born and raised in ireland um but when i was 18 i moved to new york for a while then i lived in la for a while and then i moved to manchester for a long period of time and then london and then new york so um I definitely would think the second half of my life has been very varied, but yeah, I was born and raised in Dublin, Ireland. Yeah, and, and it's super interesting. You travel quite a bit and uh, like, tell us a bit more about Dublin. Dublin, uh, for people who might not be familiar, it's also, it has a tricky regulation around nightlife. Uh, it's not easy to throw back to it because of the limitations on the time that you can be open. Uh, mm-hmm. How was the la- nightlife back when you were in Dublin? And how it is now? How are you finding it now? Um, I mean, I think time and space is a big factor towards why nightlife in Dublin really didn't do as much for me as it would have done for other people. But I can categorically say that back then, when I was younger, there was definitely a lot more clubs and naturally technology wasn't as fluid as it is now. So dance floors were a lot more enjoyable uh night 
clubs were a lot more enjoyable because people weren't on their phones, etc., etc. But when I was young, a lot of the music that was getting played in Dublin at the time was a lot of electro clash and a lot of hip hop and a lot of breaks and a lot of uh, jungle and stuff like that. And I think for me, that really a lot of that stuff didn't really grab me as much as like house, techno, boogie, disco did. And, and but Ireland, like Dublin's gone through waves. I mean, like you know. There was a point in time around 2012 to say 2016 where the nightlife industry in Dublin was really flourishing. There was a lot of um, a lot of club nights, a lot of promoters. But the government in Ireland is kind of run, in my opinion, by bankers and property developers. Like a lot of bankers, <laughs> a lot of ex- lot of expensive lunches and. Uh, I think, unfortunately, for the taxpayers of the country that would appreciate a lot more culture, what, what has happened is with the leniency in international tax laws and regulations is that companies come into our country respectfully, but they buy big concerning plots of land or city areas and they take over um which would be quite cultural hotspot areas of the past, and they turn them into holiday inns or Cafe Nero's and just fucking shit. Yeah. Uh, and I guess the real saddening factor about all of that for me is that in a city like Berlin, the government cared that the culture is defined by the, by, you know, ultimately by the youth and they respect that, and they allow it to flourish. Ireland, on the other hand, or at least in Dublin's case, they've never really given a fuck. And, you know, I've always said this, I've said this a few times, the irony is, for me, as a proud Irishman, I'm very proud of my country, but when it comes to culture and nightlife, I feel over the last 20, 30 years, um, Ireland as a capital has dropped the ball, especially with all the young emerging talent in the arts. They would very rarely uh, fund appropriately, never mind fund, give space or awareness to these artists. And what happens is, is that people like them, like myself, are forced into this position where we're leaving the country in order yeah. to facilitate being able to do our art form. And then, you know, directors, fashion designers, and musicians go and they make a name for themselves and they win awards and accolades and then all of a sudden the Irish government and arts councils want to pontificate about how proud they are of all the of the amazing Irish talent that they did fuck all to help Um, so that that kind of in summary is very negative so on a more positive standpoint when I was 18, 19 years old, there wasn't as many clicks or scenes as there is now. And I think, think clicks and scenes are important because they build communities, uh, especially in nightlife. And I think there's a lot of positivity amongst the youth of Dublin now. They're a lot more, um, for the want of a better phrase, woke. They're a lot more aware, culturally aware, um, musically um, they're incredible and I feel like there's a door opening um, especially with the Give Back the Night movement um, and the likes of Sunil Sharp um, yeah. who have been pushing the envelope to try and make big changes in the city because Ireland ironically is known for being a country of good times and great pe- people but I feel we're falling short on our reputation with our own people as opposed to just tourists. Yeah, and it, you know, it makes a lot of sense. And and I, I also wanted to mention something sharper when you when you started speaking about that, because I think Eim and, and his team at Give Us the Night are doing a great work in trying to open the dialogue with the government as well to release the restrictions. But indeed, like if the government doesn't give a shit, basically automatically nightlife is like the bottom of the priority list so things never get discussed and and this is like it's super shit for artists and young people because as you say like people don't have to emigrate like what's the option so for for someone who is in ireland now like an emerging artist perhaps like young 
artists that really want to make it, they want to continue doing music, like what would be a suggestion if you had any to share with the uh, fellow Irish people? I think don't like for me, I always find that like a lot of the young producers or DJs or artists that I meet kind of get caught up in wanting quick fame or quick accolades or you know things to happen quickly and I remember when I was young when I was 18 19 I wanted to achieve a lot very quickly but all I'd say to a lot of these people who want you know to a lot of people who maybe want to have a career in the arts or they want to achieve certain things within this world is to focus more on your craft and not so social media not videos for social media or posing behind dj boots like those things aren't going to get you where you want to go um really learning about the things that you're interested in be it photography music film fashion art albeit like find your niche find the thing that you love and realize that without sounding cliche the journey to where you eventually want to go is so important. And I've neglected that journey at times. I've made irrational yeah. decisions with my own career just to move forward or to make money. And I've regretted, like, I still regret them. Like, there's shit stains on my Discogs, like CV, as it were. And I think, uh, I think if I was to advise any young people moving into the arts is just be open-minded. Um, be free, do as much of what you love as possible and really learn your craft so that no one can ever question you on it. And don't focus yeah. about the noise. Don't care about the, the bullshit, the social media, the likes, the trying to be this shit. Like that's this is fucking nonsense. Um focus on what you love and not the, the noise. That would be my um my advice. Yeah. Uh, super interesting. And just to be sure that I understood it well, like when you say the shit stain, that is releases that you wish you would have not done. That's the idea. Like stuff that you are not super happy that you yeah. put out. Yeah, just like I, I, there was one or two records that were poorly handled. A couple of remixes I did at times just for because the money was too good to say no. And I mean... At the end of the day, the way like things are so disposable now, it probably do, it, it's not it doesn't really matter to anyone else but myself, you know. And in some weird way, you're kind of you're kind of only as good as your last record in your own mind, because that's what you've you know you're probably thinking about um, at the moment at that present time. Um, but yeah, that would be what I would be referring to with myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I really liked that uh, I was reading one of your previous interviews where you, I think you were referring to the same concept when you say that fighting creative cancer is very important, like uh, the concept of putting 10,000 hours toward the craft you want to develop. Um, I do feel on the other side, because of social media and a lot of other reasons, that artists nowadays struggle to actually focus on that because they see that what is successful is what it flies on social media. Like, is there any way that yeah. you personally have found effective to resist this pull, this pulls to actually saying, hey, I'm just going to put a nice picture and sponsor a post instead of saying, I'll put the same hours in fucking making music that I want to make? Um, if I understand your, correct, your question correctly, um, I, I just think that the, the, the cream will always rise to the top. And I think if you know the, in, the, the every aspect of the thing that you love musically, I think it mightn't be instant gratification, like a million likes on an Instagram post. I understand that would be like currency right now. But to know that like your peers really admire your work and to know that like your music is getting played by the right people will give you a lot more than a thousand likes on a photo of you behind a DJ booth to two thousand people, you know? Um, yeah. But I'm not like, I'm not, I'm human too. Like Instagram, social media, that stuff affects me 
just as much as anyone else. It gets me really angry, can get me really upset sometimes. I try to ignore it and not let it as frequently as possible. But again, that's just really difficult to do. Um, It's very hard. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, it is. No, it's bullshit. And I, I explained it to my friend the other day, like I felt it was a good analogy. It's like, it's like you're in a room with a load of people that you like and know and you're talking about something you love, but no one is listening. But the reason that they're not listening is because somebody else has decided not to let them hear you. Yeah. For me, I'm like, that's fucked up. Like, I have whatever, say you have 50,000 followers on Instagram, and you want to tell everybody, every one of these followers, the people that obviously give a little bit of a shit and a lot of a shit about what you do. They want to find, they want to know what you're doing. And you want to tell them, hey, I know I'm a musician, but today I painted a picture. I think it's fucked up that an algorithm or, or an Instagram bot decides whether or not your followers should know about that. But it is. Yeah. this is the way the world is now. It's been a problem for a lot longer than me just talking about it. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, it is very true, and unfortunately, the the, the behavior that it, that gets um, uh, boosted on social media is a stupid behavior. Like it pushes people to think in a much more stupid way, to be more superficial, not to be focusing on on uh, on their music. Actually, you post a picture of uh, you with uh, whatever, like a, a selfie, it, it gets much more attention than any piece of music you you might be sharing. And that's a shame. Because it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, man. It's wild. Yes. But let's switch topics. Eh? One thing that is very interesting for me is also, um, I read in your bio and also a couple of interviews that 1980 to 1994 is your favorite age, favorite um, period of time. That's it. Yeah. Where, where were you back then? So nineteen, yeah, nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty, I wasn't even born, but um, I think uh, uh, I think the music at that at, from between like nineteen nineteen eighty and nineteen ninety four kind of covers a fairly solid spectrum of all the things I love, ranging from the end of disco when it was uh, you know the end of the glitter phase of disco and when it turned more into electronic funk sounds and things were becoming a bit more jazz chords and bass lines and drum machines and then you know it was the start of hip-hop and then the start of house techno and even like in the late 90s there was still like Teneglia, Vasquez, Mills, Underground Resistance and even then on a hip-hop level it was Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, you know, Gangstar, Grand Puba, like a lot of the things that I love about music kind of fit within that point in time. Um, I should probably change it really because I'm sure things have changed. And, you know, that was that bio was written a long time ago. But yeah, that would be a fair, uh, a fair sonic description of what I love. Yeah, yeah. So uh, in a way, an inspiration, would, do you still think about that? era as an inspiration for your current music yeah massively i mean like i'm very visual person um and i'm obsessed with photography so a lot of the songs that i create are usually stemmed from an image um it might be a photo of say like christopher street in 1986 or 84 um uh, or it could be a photo from danceteria or it could be a photo from Berlin in the late 90s. It could be a photo of a beautiful model. It could be a photo of a beautiful sunset. Something that would usually gravitates me to wanting to make something that it kind of would sound like the photo would if it was music. I know that sounds very arty-farty and poncy, but that's generally where my inspiration comes from most of the time. So is it capturing a moment, a specific moment uh, that you would associate with music? Is that what you're thinking? Um, yeah, I, I think it's just more like trying to make music 
as if like I know it's a single image, but trying to make something that would apply would fit that uh, would fit that image, if that makes sense. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. And it, it, so you are passionate about photography. You do music, yeah. play as well. Is there anything else that you do artistically that is connected to this too? Um, well, I come from a graffiti background and I paint a lot, but that's um, that's something that I just kind of keep to myself, really. Um, but no, I think photography and music are definitely my two um, my two passions, as it were. Got it. You still do graffiti, or or not yet? Not anymore. Not really. Sometimes, kind of like every now and again, I'll throw a tag up or I'll go paint with somebody, but very rarely. Yeah, <laughs> there was actually a question from someone on Instagram, Pledgy, I believe, that asked, uh, why did you shift um, away from graffiti and you focus on music? And I, I guess it's because that pulled you more, music pulled you more that in its direction. Yeah, I mean, graffiti, when I was young, was just something that I did until I was in my early 20s. And I just, I was obsessed, um, you know, I remember when I was 18 or 17, I was like, all right, I'm going to try and go to college. I want to go to like art school. But then when I thought about it, I was like, well, hold on. If I had to choose between music or painting for the rest of my life, which would I want to do? And I was like, oh, well, that's easy music. And once I thought about that, I was like, like, you know, it was an easy decision. So, yeah. It's interesting. And well, like if you remember that moment when you had to make the decision, that was there like um, like a reason or an event that made you have to make that decision? For example, you didn't have enough time to do both, or it was more like a long shot and thinking, if I really want to develop and go deep, I need to focus on one. Um, no, I don't think there was any big bang moment. I just think I wanted to make music, make release records perform those that you know i wanted to be in a studio with other people and make music with them or for them like i just think the whole idea of the music producer for me was kind of facilitated everything for me all the things that i was interested in you know so um yeah yeah i don't think it was any major big bang moments you know i grew up idolizing all the people that i listen to and I guess I would have loved to have been doing what they were doing and that was kind of it really. Yeah, they kind of I guess the pool the division pulled you toward the direction of being a DJ. Producer first, but DJ as well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. And so let, let's talk about the music. Um from Discogs I've seen that your first release, your first record was in 2010, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, feel free to fact check me on dates. Uh, yeah. But uh, it was an EP on uh, Irish Old Seed Records. And from that on, you yeah. released on a few other labels, but mainly on your Cold Tonic, which you launched in 2014, and Gerd Johnson's uh, Running Back label. Yeah. Out of all these releases, now you have a kind of a solid discography. You have put more than 20 releases out. Uh, and uh, out of these, like, is there anything you would keep very close to you as, a, I don't know, a milestone or like a something that means something important for you for your music journey i think my first record on all city is probably one that i'll always hold very dear to my heart um i love every i, I still love those records those songs um and it was the record that changed i guess my life because it did really well in a sense or like it got me in the world of you know people listening to my music so that was kind of important um, but, you know, releasing on Running Back, I've spoke about this in kind of numerous occasions, was something I'd wanted to do for five or six years. So once I finally got that test pressing and joined, and joined Running Back, I was, I was ecstatic, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've, read, yeah. I've, read, I've, I've read in other interviews that, like, um, you were a friend with Gary Johnson uh, for a while. And uh, despite that, it took you a while to... Get the demos heard. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's an incredibly tough cookie to crack. Um, Gerd is sensationally difficult to 
signed to running back. But I, I think that's no fault of his own. I think he, I think he's some, he's perhaps too polite for his own good, and all, and this, you know, and also, uh, I, I'm glad that the music I was sending him for those many years he didn't release because it wasn't yeah. good enough, you know. Um, and everything happens for a reason. That record got signed at the time in my life where I really needed it to happen, and I'd be really proud of all the records that I've released with Gerd. There's not one that I don't, I'm not proud of, and I think that's a testament to his skill as an A&R for his label because, you know, I've sent him plenty of music and I'm like, oh, we should release this. It's going to be amazing. I promise, I promise. And he doesn't, you know, he's like, ah, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's see, let's see, you know. And then time passes and I'm like, I, I'll text him and I'll be like, no, don't, you're right. You're, you're, you're right. It's not right. So um, I think it's a good push and pull. But yeah, it was a long time trying to get signed to running back. So once it happened, I was ecstatic. Yeah. And, and, and it, yeah, congrats. I mean, like it, now it's, it's been a few, a few years now. I believe it was 2018. Was it Neutron Dance, the record that you signed first or, or was another one, an earlier one? No, it was, yeah, I signed in 2017. And then it must have been released in 2018. That would be right, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. It was 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and and forget the timeline correct. Like you, you also mentioned if you introduced that you had a very low point of your career before, and you, I guess you you were pointing at that right now. Uh, what helped you yeah. at that moment to keep going? That's super interesting for me to to, to know that. Um, I started reading about like positive visualization and like positive energy and like thinking about like focusing on the things you want to come in life and not like allowing negative energy to kind of take away from those things. Mm. Um, and I guess once I put those things into practice, um, things started to come together, which was kind of spooky, but, um, I'd hit rock bottom in terms of like music, life personal life things just weren't working out the way i wanted it to and uh you know paul wolford gave me some really good advice he was like dude you just need to produce your way out of a hole of the hole you're, <laughs> you're in or however you're feeling and and really wise words because you know that's kind of ultimately what what you what you can do you know like you just need to try and put your head into the studio not look at left or right and focus on one thing and keep your attention and that energy towards that one thing. And I think that would be, I think that would be the best, you know, the, the best solution. But um, yeah, right. honestly, I think it was, I think it was focus and not allowing negative thoughts to kind of stop me. I just kept thinking, you know, I'm just going to make this music. It's going to work out. Everything's going to come together. I believe in this music, you know, because a lot of the time you can make some, thing and you think it's really good and it's really exciting but then you see something on instagram or you talk to the wrong mm. person or a friend of yours doesn't like it or you know there's a moment these these little things that constantly get thrown at you and that you can start to think like oh no like this isn't working out yeah i think if you can ignore them and just focus directly on what it is that you're trying to do then, and I yeah. think you'll be. Uh, I think you. I think you. You have a better chance than anyone. Yeah, ig ignoring the noise, and and I, I do love the the uh, quote: "Produce your way out of of the situation." That is a. Yeah, yeah it's a good one. <laughs> I think it will stay with me. <laughs> and, yeah, it's good. Do you remember specifically around visualization? Was there a, like, do you remember the exercise that you started doing or the exercises that you started doing at that time? Yeah, it was two things. Um, this was when I was learning about meditation and breath work and yoga and things like that. But I think those things are good for cleansing your mind. But when, for me, when it was like this, you know, kind of thing specifically, I had a, two lists on the wall of my bedroom. One list was a list of things that I was eternally grateful for that I take for granted, like being able to walk, being able to smell, being able to see, fuck it, having eyes in my head, teeth in my mouth, like this, the things you just generally take for granted on a daily basis. There was a long list of like a hundred things and every morning I'd read it three times 
and then beside it there was a sheet of say five or six specific goals and with photos of the goals and I just read them and look at them and try to start the day with that in my mind and once that's in my mind I'd be able to like start the day with with an energy towards those things do you you know what I mean I think that would was was kind of the formality of it for me it's kind of simple but that's what works uh, absolutely, I know what you mean. Like uh, I've uh, tried many visualization exercises in my life, and I think uh, a lot of them very effective. And I, I think also the repetition, like you sticking that to the wall, and you know, by design, you wake up, and that's the first thing you see. It is super powerful because you're you're essentially like, um, uh, in a way, like re rewiring your brain to know that you're grateful and you're going in a certain direction, very specific. Yeah, I think so. Like perspective is a very um, perspective is such a huge thing in this world we live in now because you know there's so many things that allow us to think differently in our own heads about exactly what's going on. And I think when it comes down to things that you're doing in life, a lot of the time you have as much reason to think good about it as you do bad. And a lot of the time we just naturally are pessimists and we think, oh, it's not going to work out. And I hope and I think and I hope. But there's as much reason for it to work out as there is that it isn't. So why don't you just put that energy into the yes pile and see what happens, you know? Yeah. And there is, a, if you're interested, I'll mention that. Uh, I can tell you more as well. But there's a biological reason for which this works. Some people call it the law of attraction. Some others just say it's focus. Uh, but biologically, we are wired to focus on a very limited amount of things. And I think it makes a lot of sense what you're saying, because if you're telling yourself, this is where I need to go, your brain, or this is the information that I want to confirm, your brain will find ways to confirm it. So, yeah, yeah exactly as I said, like, I do really believe in this. And I think it's yeah, great to hear that uh, worked out pretty well for you. Oh, well, I mean, like, you know, yeah, but you. one of the most important things that I learned from the whole experience was that, you know, in a Buddhist mentality, it's not about cherishing the highs because there's always going to be lows. It's about sitting somewhere in the middle. And for me, recognizing that, you know what, like I went through this rough patch and I then was very fortunate and I've had this really fluid, great patch. But, you know, like they're both as beneficial to me as each other. Mm. The, lo- the low patch taught me so many things that are just as valuable as say the gigs and the records and stuff releasing they both are very valuable so i think that's mm. what i really took from the whole thing it's a really good way to put it yeah because in, in the end like the both are, are experience of data they inform your your next decision and your life going forward and yeah sorry go on no, no, go on, go on, sorry. No, I was I was just saying that I needed to, this screen keeps turning off, sorry, go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very good way to put it. And in terms of like uh, mistakes, or like let's say the, the low points, it doesn't necessarily have to be a low point, but a mistake. Does anything come to mind of a career, life mistake that became one of your skills eventually, one of the things you, you learned? Fuck, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's countless. I mean, I make mistakes every week and I learn from them every week. Um, but I I guess there was a point in time when I had a little bit of success at the beginning of my career and I developed this ego and I became really self-entitled at certain times and really cocky and I was doing a lot of partying. And when I think back to that person that I became. I think it's it happens with everyone. I think like when you have a bit of success, you kind of become a bit of an asshole for a period of time. Some people kind of survive, some people <laughs> yeah. don't. Yeah, uh, I think I was lucky to have very loyal friends and people that kind of stuck by me. Um, but I definitely burnt bridges with great people for over bullshit, and I regret those decisions. Just you know by being blase about certain stuff or whatever so uh 
yeah, I think that my lesson would always be just to try my best to, you know, stay stay humble. And at the end of the day, what we're doing, it's great. It's 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 cool. It's fun, but it's bullshit. Like there's people, <laughs> like yeah. like it's 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 farcical. Like it's cool. You know, we we can obviously dictate that. Like culture is obviously this massively important lifeline for so many people to release and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I'm totally with that, a hundred percent. But yeah none of really me or my, my peer group have any fucking reason on earth to be walking around like we're Jesus fucking Christ because we're not nurses doing 28 hours in a fucking hospital yeah. working in cancer wards um, out in Syria on the front line. Like we're none of those things. Um, so sometimes I feel really disenfranchised by the whole scene where I'm like, God, this is gross. Mm -hmm. But then I understand that, you know, we're all just human and every now and again, things affect us in different ways. And I know even as I sit here now, now speaking to you and I possibly sound like I'm trying to be very profound, there's been times where I've done three gigs in a row, haven't slept in two days, and I've been like, I haven't said a word to the promoter. I'm just like, I just want to go to my hotel and sleep and just leave me alone, you know, like that kind of shit. It happens, you know, but that's human nature. That's, that's, you got to remember everybody's going through individual stuff and you just got to be sensitive and understanding of that. Also, you just can't be a dickhead, you know, it won't get you anywhere. And that, yeah, that is a, <laughs> it is very true. Yeah. Unless you want to be alone in your life and, If anybody wants, it's almost impossible. And yeah, I, I can see there is also questions coming from uh, both Instagram and Facebook. We're gonna, I'm gonna start asking them to you in a second. But um, okay, one more thing that, that I, I read in previous interviews again, um, like you mentioned a few times, uh, it's important for artists to continue to be consistent and not become a one-trick pony. Essentially, if you've been successful with, with a record. Yeah. It is important to be consistent. And how does an artist develop that consistency that makes them like continue, even if they had success, without looking as, uh, without basically becoming like a bit egotistic, I guess, it's the word? I think for me, at least, I don't know, I can't speak on anyone else. I, I, I even like, you know, when I say that, I think I was meaning specifically about me as an individual because. My idea of an artist's consistency is going to be different to yours and yeah. to theirs. For me, I don't I like I don't still feel like I'm making particularly amazing, like good music. I'm certainly not making what I hope to eventually make. I'm constantly trying to do more interesting stuff than I did before or at least artistically pleasing stuff. So when, when I'm speaking about with consistency is that, you know, I think it's important for artists individually to just push their horizons as much as they can. And I think what happens with me, and sometimes it's helped me, sometimes it's hurt me, is that I'll find a thing, I'll go with it. And then I'm kind of, I start to get pigeonholed by perhaps like music media or promoters. And then I get really fucking angry and I'm like, fuck that. I'm going to go and make something that's totally different. Um, and I think that's happening a lot right now with, mm -hmm. with, with music at the moment. Um, I get like kind of coined with a lot of terms that I'm just like, you don't get it. You just don't get it. Um, so for me, I'm like already making stuff that will hopefully um, reevaluate how people perceive what I'm doing as an artist. But I think that's always the most interesting part of an artist when you're constantly excited or curious to see what they'll do next. Like, do you, yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, consistency is obviously really important, but I think being consistent with being interesting is a lot more important than just releasing a really solid, same sounding record every year for, you know, 20 years. I mean, it's great to have that, like, blindfold yeah. discography yeah. where any DJ can just take one tune of yours they only need to know what it is play it <laughs> and it works I mean, 
Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. But for me, I'm, it's not really what interests me. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And uh, like, uh, I, I guess there are DJs who, who would maybe want to specialize in them, creating uh, the perfect tool for a purpose. But if you want to be an artist, also for longevity, it's important to keep things original. And by the way, someone on Instagram said. Um, uh, your best is yet to come. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I fucking, I fucking hope so. <laughs> yes, man, I'm sure. Um, yeah, thank you. And let me ask you a few questions from the audience. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, I, I, so someone is asking. I found it hard to get my first foot on the ladder. I guess releasing or getting a, in the music scene or on a stage. Yeah. I find it hard to keep my place once I found, like once I, I got into the stage and start playing gigs. Do you find the same or have you found the same in your career? So essentially, once you start getting gigs, like how do you go to the next level? How do you keep going and performing? I mean, it's very difficult now because there's so many people trying to be DJs and there's so many people doing it for in my opinion are kind of like the wrong reasons or at least my my integral reasons and then i also feel like you're up against the instagram social media wave you know mm-hmm. so my advice i think to anyone who's like really at that stage is to like paul told me it's kind of to produce your way out of it just really don't think about making records that are going to sound satisfy right now try and think about records that are going to satisfy the you know your future self like often when i may look i know like not to seem like neutron dance is anything special but it was a song that did a lot for my career and when i made that record at the time nobody was really playing or making stuff that sounded like it and i remember playing it to friends of mine and then thinking oh it's kind of don't know if it's i don't like it i was like trust me like this is i believe that this would work in a in a club just let just you know believe in that i believe it's going to work in a club and i think a bit of forward thinking can often help in the studio but to cut my long-winded answer short i would say focus on making the music as opposed to trying to dj other people's music yeah very important yeah yeah uh yeah great thank you for the for the answer Daglan. uh one more um what music genre music or genres or artists have you been enjoying lately Oof. let's open spotify what hey, like what are you shit yeah, use Spotify or um, Bandcamp. What do you listen music on? Spotify. I, I I buy music on Bandcamp a lot. I love Bandcamp. Um, and then for listening to the stuff, I like using Spotify. Although I want to, you know, I kind of dislike Spotify for obvious reasons. But that's uh-huh. not a conversation I want to have. Um, right. What am I listening to right now? The arty kind of farty side of me that like wants to be like smelling my own farts. I'm listening to a lot of <laughs> weird old French electronica music from like seventies and eighties, which is kind of interesting. Um, I love everything that Jennifer Cardini releases on Correspondence. Of course, she's um, a close friend of mine, and I just love her, her and her label. Yeah. At the moment, I listen to quite a variety of stuff. I love Shy Girl. I think Shy Girl's music is brilliant. I love Shy Girl. I love Claro. I like this. Uh, I like Leo Paul. Um, I like Pam's tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, what else am I listening to? I'd love to hear another record by a band called Flash. I like everything that kind of by Psychic Mirrors. Um, I don't know if you know Psychic Mirrors. No, um, Psychic Mirrors. Yeah, yeah sure. big fan of Psychic Mirrors, and they just released an album called Ophelia, which is incredible. Um, I would certainly check that out. Is a band? Uh, are they a band or? Yeah, they're they're a band. They're amazing. They they released wow. originally on um, 
on a on a, the in legendary uh the legendary label um cosmic chronic um which is just just worth checking out jesus what else am i listening to i'm gonna have yeah. to dig into this yeah in terms of like dance music what did i buy recently i bought a lot of stuff recently i love digitalism's record on rolling back by the way i know that's a cheap a cheat, you know, like obviously because it's not running back, I'm gonna like it, but I like it. Um, that, that new over mono record is amazing. Um, oh, yeah, on, I don't yeah, know, kind of, um, yeah, I guess, yeah, there's possibly loads of stuff that I'm listening to. That I'm, Logic 1000, I read like Logic 1000, like what she's doing, um, or what they're doing, um, yeah. Look, I could probably go on for ages, but amazing. Uh, I think we have. We have oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. You had another one. I'm obsessed. No, I'm obsessed with Caroline Polachek, um and OK Kaya. I love their music. Um, I like these Irish guys called Cedarwood State Tracks. I assume they're Irish. I think they're on an Irish label, so I really like their stuff. Um, yeah, sorry, Speedy J. I like Speedy J. Oh yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I don't know. No, okay. of stuff. Probably uh, there's just a lot. Tons of stuff. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm. I'm actually I took notes of uh, of all of them. So you, you mentioned Caroline, Caroline Polacek. Yeah, Car- Caroline Polacek. Yeah, Polacek and Cyberwood, the Irish, presumably Irish person. Or what? Where they? Yeah. It? I think it's Cedarwood State Tracks. So C E A D O R or E R would stay tracks. Yeah, I think they're Fun. brilliant. So there's a nice record from them I like listening to. Um, yeah, look, I listen to so much music, it's kind of frustrating. Um, wow, when I get asked, like, oh, what, what do you listen to? It's like John FM. I love the new John FM record, I love uh, the pot, I love Paula Tape. Boo Williams. God, man, I'm listening to a lot of stuff. I, I made I made my yeah. homework list. I'm going to listen to I'm going to check all the names that I don't know. Very interesting. Okay. Cool. And a uh, few, few more questions. Huh? <clears throat> ah, okay, interesting question I wanted to ask as well. And this comes from the audience. Tell us about Piano Banana. Let's start with, uh, did you have a clear vision before your last re- latest record or... It just kind of happened when you were making music and jamming. I was in uh, I was in Dublin after coming back from Tokyo, and I was playing in Panorama Bar. I had a gig in Panorama Bar in, in like two weeks, and I was in the studio, and I was like, "All right, I want to make two or three tracks specifically for Burgoyne. Like, I just want to make something for my set because." I was playing um, a, re- a pretty good set time in the evening at like 10 p.m. on the Sunday. And I was like, I just want to make something. So with Piano Banana, I actually, I just had this, the riff. I didn't have anything else. It just had like the or whatever. And then, uh, yeah, once the chords got on top of this, excuse me, once the chords were on top of this i was like whoa this has a lot of energy i really like this and i just rushed to finish it um asap i was like right i just need i had a week in the studio i just basically was in there every night just finishing that and two other tracks and i sent them to lopez who's my master and i said to him look because he he's a german mastering genius and i said look i'm playing panorama bar and i need a i need you to do a quick master so it sounds good and he knows that system so he did and i played it at twice at panorama bar um i played it in the first hour and i played it in my last hour because the reaction was so good so then i texted gerd i said yeah i think i've got one and i sent it to him and he was like yeah this is it um i even think he texted me going it makes me want to take ecstasy. Um, and Gert's never <laughs> taken 
Graves never taken drugs, so I think that was saying something. Um, they were, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think like Piano Banana was a bit like Neutron Dance. It just happened very quickly. I didn't think too much about it. So it just, just kind of happened quickly. And then the longest part was just mixing it. I spent like five days just trying to get levels the way I think it would sit nice, you know, and then it was, then I just went with it. So the version that got released is the version that got played at Panorama Bar. Like I didn't change it. That's the bit. same master from then. Wow. Okay. That's the regional version, right? Because I think you did few versions and remixes as well. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, the original yeah. version. Yeah, the the nineteen ninety mix. Yeah, I did in Paris with um, with a friend of mine called Acid Ronnie, um, Yasmina Salente, and she was hanging out with me in Paris. And I went to the Ed Banger studio and because and I just was like, I wanted to make kind of a tribute to. I want to make a version that I think maybe like Andrew Weatherall would have played. And I wanted to make something that just sounded very 90s cliche. And uh, yeah, I did it in a day. And it was really simple again. And and then I came back to Ireland and then lockdown happened and it was over. Um, the Banambient version was because originally the Banambient version is 30 minutes long, but I wow. couldn't release it on the record. <laughs> yeah. But um, I got really into meditating and, and, and spirituality over the last few years. And I remember joking with Gerd for a long, long time. I was like, yo, I should do like a record on running back. Just like music to meditate to. And he was like, ah, you're crazy. No, I want the blah, blah. <laughs> but I, I made the Banambian mix to sent him to him as an idea. And he was like, oh, brilliant. I like this. This is cool. So we did that. Um, and I'm obsessed with like, a lot of records are released to try to do beats or dub mixes and you know looking back on records from the past that was a real prolific thing in the 90s so i just think it's cool i always loved buying a record and it had like the acapella the drum breaks um a dub mix or a, you know like a, a tough club mix a hard house remix or like a mellow mix and like I could like then decide which version of that I wanted to play, or I could do a mashup, or like make an old edit. I think that to me is really cool. That is really cool, especially for DJs. Like, uh, I mean, whether if you produce and make music uh, and you play music, uh, like it's it gives you a bit more creativity. Uh, uh, you know, you can do edits as well. You can do stamps, but when you release it out, you're sharing your in a way toolkit with others. And uh, so. Someone said I would listen to the 30 minute version of the banana mix. Banana mix, yeah. I actually said to I spoke to Gerd about doing a video for it about a week ago. I said, let's do a meditation video and put it on the running back YouTube. So um yeah, we'll make that happen. Well amazing man. Like uh, <laughs> I'd love to see it and listen to it. Yeah. And yeah, cool. And now that we are on the topic, like what's next? For you, like music-wise, do you have anything really any release planned? Any anything you want to announce and can announce? Um, nothing to announce, but there's a lot, lot happening. Lot of music signs, um, and I'm really excited. I wanted like I didn't release a lot of music for a while, and I said mm -hmm. to to like Gerd and my manager, and what I was like, this year I just want to release music all the time, so expect a lot not like expect a lot of amazing things just expect a lot of me spamming all social media platforms with new releases this year um but i'm building towards something that i'm visualizing so you'll just have to kind of wait and see ah uh, yes <laughs> another uh, thing to tick mark on your list across <laughs> yeah i uh, yeah Last couple of questions uh, as we wrap up. Uh, this has been an incredible pleasure. But um, so one question for me, like, uh, as you're, uh, do you still have the visualizing, uh, the visual, you still do the visualization and exercise? And do you have the list of things to do? Like, we don't need to go in deep into that, but you still have it in your room? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And I, and I assume like all the things have changed. Uh, you, you removed the ones. I mean, I don't know. I'll, I'll put. I'll give you some gravity on this. Okay, so I'm going to bring you somewhere really quickly. I love that. <laughs> okay, so hopefully this will work. So I've rented this house 
place in Ireland where I've just cooped up and music. So I decided like to use like a small setup, but as you can see behind me, it's a constant wall of inspirational things that like I visualize towards. Wow. So there's a list you can see there. Yeah. And then there's images to propel the list. So every day I'm facing the things that I want to achieve musically and artistically. Thank, thank you for showing us this. I mean, it's super inspiring and also incredibly cool to, to see that. And I, I think what you made me realize now is that uh, like, it's a visual, visualization exercise, so adding the pictures is very important. The list itself is useful, but pictures are also this peak. Yeah, for, for me, for sure, yeah. Okay, um, very nice. And okay, last question from the audience. Someone said, okay. I, jo I joined as you promised to talk about your hair. And uh, can you tell us a bit the new haircut and the mustache? <laughs> um, I've wanted to have both for years, but I never did for whatever reason. So uh, I guess I just wanted to give it a go. I mean, um, I wasn't able to get my hair cut through COVID. So growing the hair long felt like a reasonable idea. And I guess now I just decided to make myself truly repulsive to the opposite sex and grow a mustache. <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of my uh, my mo at the minute. Uh, but no, I don't know. It's just something different to do. I just uh, I got to that age where I felt it was time to grow a mustache and grow my hair long. <laughs> uh, that's a, it. Probably isn't the best moment, a better moment to do that now. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. COVID. And and the last two questions, I promise. Uh, um, who is a guest that you think we should really speak with and why? Um, Jennifer Cardini is amazing. Um, yeah. yeah. Of course. Cormac uh, is another good, cool dude to speak to about music, especially dance music and, and, and uh, alternative music, I'd say. Um, Gerd Janssen, obviously. Gerd's always a really interesting person to speak to. Um, who else is... I, I'm, I mean, I don't really know. There's a plethora of people you could speak to, but I think those are some good people, you know? Yes, thank you. And well, who was the second one? I didn't quite catch the second name. You, you, sorry, you know who you should speak to? You should speak to a guy called Steph. He, he has a... His mastering company in Germany is called Mix Mastering. But it'd be good to speak to him so people could understand maybe things that they would know about mixing or sending music for mastering. I think that could be really interesting for people. Very cool. Yes. And then I, I wrote down the all the four names, but the second one, who was the second one again? Uh, Jennifer Cardini. Corm oh, Jennifer? Cormac. Cormac. Uh, he's, a, he's a resident of, at Panorama Bar. Very cool. Yes. And by the way, your, your name was one of the most mentioned uh, in, in this question. So previous guests actually mentioned you, I, I think, at least three times. And that's when we decided to reach out to wow. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's very cool. I'm flattered. It's really cool. Yes. And uh, what, what, what question would you like us to ask the next guest without knowing who they're going to be? You can go wild. What question would I ask? God, I don't know. Um, if that helps. Oh my God. Uh, why, why, is it, yeah, why is it so difficult? <laughs> I'll, I'll tease you with the question from the previous guest. Okay. What's the first thing you think when you wake up? Okay. Um, but then I'll ask, what's the first thing you think of before you go to sleep? Yeah, <laughs> that's nice. <All> right. <laughs> what's the, what's the, what do you think when you wake up? What's the first thing you think? Um, but, oh, fuck, I don't want to be awake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, generally, no, uh, first thing I think when I wake up is um, get out of bed. Get out of bed, get out of bed, get out of bed, get up, get out of bed, get out of bed. Like that is 
the number one thing. <laughs> Man, amazing. Thank you. Uh, I really enjoyed the interview and uh, I hope everybody else enjoyed it too. I think from the interactions, uh, everybody did have a good time and hope you too. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Pleasure is ours. And uh, yeah, we'll be looking forward to your next releases. Uh, thank you again and see you soon. All right. Cheers, peace. Man. Much love, man. Bye bye. Hello, this is Joseph again. If you made it this far into the podcast, we would love to hear your feedback and you can leave any comments anonymously or with your name and also suggest whom we should interview next via the link bit.ly slash hos underscore feedback. Basically, bit.ly hos underscore feedback. If you're a creator or work in music, you can also check our website www.homeofsound.co.uk for on-demand masterclasses with creators such as Ansom, Scaramaria, Francois X, Swarm Intelligence, Freddy K, Face Fatal, Vijay Martinovna, Malika Maria, Lag, BSK, Romek, Manny D, Arjun Bagale, and many, many more. And again, thank you for listening, engaging, and being with us home. Until next time.